As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, where you get valuable information you just can't find anywhere else. To thrive in today's trying times, you need the Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and get your free newsletter and gift. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. Welcome. You are listening to and watching the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. Well, got somebody on with us. Haven't talked to in a few years. Lots happened. We've got our technological, our digital overlords trying to silence this person. And it's just great to see him again. He's speaking to us from the other side of the world, literally um, talking about James Corbett. And if you're a James Corbett fan, if you miss him from his channel that was excised from a certain platform not too long ago. Send us an email. We'll send it off to James. It's kl at kerrylutz.com. James, so besides being censored, deplatformed, and uh, having other ghastly things done to your public persona, how have things been? Other than that, and other than the craziness of the past year and a half, yeah, everything's just tickety-boo. How about there in Florida? <laughs> well, we're good. Uh, the, there was this uh, widespread ailment virus out there that will go unnamed, and it seems to have disappeared from the media. Uh, the numbers are heading downward, and, you know, uh, we're now, as I say, the, the thin blue wall of maskdom is crumbling finally i mean uh, i'm going around uh, i walked in a store the other day the guy said do you want a mask i said no why would i want one of those for and uh, so things are i don't want to say getting back to normal but maybe some of the abnormalities that you and i have encountered over the past uh, nearly a year uh, are see seeming to subside well, I'm glad to hear that. However, I am uh, not optimistic that uh, things are ever going back to quote unquote normal. Um, I think that we have entered a completely new paradigm and that's going to affect everything. So it just it depends what aspect of that you want to talk about today. All right. So 
That's a great point. I am totally inclined to agree with you. But it seems like if there was a great reset agenda, it seems to have somewhat failed uh, failed so far, hasn't it? I wouldn't go so far. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things to parse out here. One is that the Great Reset, which people have probably heard of by now, it was, of course, dismissed as a crazy conspiracy theory several months ago until people pointed out, well, it's on the World Economic Forum website and they have an entire podcast about it. And there's these politicians making speeches about it. Oh, OK, it exists, but it's totally fine, guys. Um, but I think the important thing to note about the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution and all of the other Terms that are coming along with it is that this is simply the latest and greatest branding of a very large and overarching agenda that still exists whether or not it goes by the name of Great Reset. So I don't want to get people hung up on the Great Reset as a moniker or the World Economic Forum even as the only place from which this is flowing. It's just that is that is a sort of marketing campaign for this agenda, which is proceeding regardless. All right. So what is the agenda exactly and what are its ultimate goals? All right. Well, uh, the the scope of this is so broad that it almost beggars belief, which is precisely why I think a lot of people just put their fingers in their ears and don't want to hear about it. But again, I would stress, do not listen to me about this. Go and listen to someone like Klaus Schwab, the executive director of the World Economic Forum, who is talking about this at great length in many public speeches and books and many other things besides. So go take it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. If you want to get some of the the juiciest clips, I did include them in a podcast I did called Your Guide to the Great Reset. And I've talked about it many times. But long story short, Klaus Schwab is going around talking about the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, beyond the industrial revolution with the cotton, cotton jenny and the steam engine and all of that. And then you move into the second industrial revolution, um, which I forget how they framed that. Um, but the third industrial revolution, obviously computer and tech. But the fourth industrial revolution is going to involve essentially what has hitherto been known as transhumanism. It is about the merging of your physical, biological, and digital identities. That's a direct quote from Klaus Schwab, who also, in 2016, you can go watch a clip of him on French TV talking about how, well, in the next decade, of course, we're going to have more and more technologies listening to everything we're doing, tracking everything we're doing. We'll wear them in our clothes. We'll have hearables that will be able to sense our environment. And within the next decade, that will be implanted under the skin or in your brain. Brain. I mean, he's outright talking about the brain chips and everything. And this is part of the Great Reset agenda, which is not just it's not just economic. It's not just political. It's not just social. It's all of these things. And the idea is to essentially create create a new species. I know that sounds absolutely insane and it probably is. But once again, do not take my word for it. There's an there's a great document for letting people know about this agenda that I just recently discovered and wrote about on my website called Exploring Biodigital Convergence. And this was a document that was put out in February of 2020. So before the, the entire hysteria of the past year, um, the uh, Policy Horizons Canada, which is a actual 
government of Canada think tank. It thinks about future events and trends and what policy proposals should the government of Canada be uh, taking on these uh, different subjects. They put out a document called Exploring Biodigital Convergence, which is talking about the end of humanity. They literally say that we are looking at with the com combining of biological and digital systems, we're going to be looking at these new forms of life and we could co-evolve as a species with digital technologies in a way that makes us redefine what is human. Again, I can't I can't stress enough. You have to read these words for yourself. You can read those exact words in the foreword to that document that was penned by the uh, the, the chairperson of this Policy Horizons Canada, Crystal van der Elst, I believe, um, who, if you look up, is just happens to be the former head of strategic visions or whatever they called it at the World Economic Forum. <laughs> surprise, surprise. What a small world. So, um, again, I cannot stress enough. This is about everything. This is about literally transforming the human species. And oh, by the way, absolutely everything you do, everything you transact, everything, everything you are, the way that you exist in this world is on the table for this revolutionary agenda. This is insane. Uh, but, uh, but I don't put anything past it. You know, Elon Musk has been warning about AI. And AI is certainly part of it because machines are starting to do jobs. They have been for quite some time, but now they're actually doing quote unquote thinking jobs that, uh, that never uh, was it comprehended or imagined that humans would not be doing. And they seem to be doing it better than humans. And he's convinced that AI is evolving so rapidly that nobody can stop it. Uh, he's not the only one. Of course, a lot of people have been warning about this for a long time and some not not even warning about it, but actually gloating about it in a way um, like Ray Kurzweil and others uh, who people might know as this futurist who's talked about the singularity, the point at which computer intelligence starts to overtake human intelligence, um, which I believe in the past he has uh, put somewhere in the 2030s, I believe he said was his prediction for that. At any rate, um, there are a lot of people working towards this. And Elon Musk puts it in an interesting perspective. He says that it, essentially in order to combat this new form of life that's arising, this AI digital um, technology, we're going to have to take the, the Neuralink brain upgrades, brain chips, whatever, in order to essentially be at the very least serviceable pets for the new AI gods that are going to be running everything so that they won't eliminate us as this outdated biological matter. I mean, this stuff gets so crazy, so insane, so quickly that most people just don't even want to look at it. But again, it's not James Corbett that's talking about it. It's Klaus Schwab, it's Elon Musk, it's Ray Kurzweil. It's many, many other people who are really thinking about this and putting it into action, uh, more importantly, because people get hung up on that word, the AI, AI, the people get hung up on that and oh, well, computers will never know how to think and they'll never really, you know, and, and people get too hung up on that, I think, because there is some form of machine intelligence and sure, there's the stopping problem and all these theoretical things about, can it really think? Does a toaster really have a soul? <laughs> but that's not, that kind of misses the point. No, these technologies are already being applied in your life in ways that you may not even know about. I remember seeing a demonstration a few years ago of uh, a Google, I think it was a Google. Uh, I, at any rate, it was an assistant that had been created um, that would be able to mimic uh, a customer service phone call. Mm -hmm. And they did a demonstration of such a phone call live in this presentation. And 
they 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 had they had it tailored in such a way that not only was this computer voice convincing enough as a human voice that you couldn't tell that it was a computer voice, but it actually inserts the um you know, good question. Let me check on that for you. And things like that to make it seem more realistic. They they actually program that in so to the point where that demonstration, who knows? I mean, I suppose it could have all been smoke and mirrors, but assuming it was what they said it was, was 100 percent totally and utterly convincing that you were talking to a human being on the other end of that call. That's just one example. And that was from several years ago now, let alone whatever's being worked on by DARPA and whatever other government agencies are working on such things. It is getting crazy. And uh, I think a lot of people have failed to appreciate how crazy it already is. Yeah, I remember that uh, at one point it said, let me think about that. And then paused like it was thinking, right? And it was like, how's it doing this? Well, I mean, are we coming to Skynet where the whole thing uh, gets taken over? Is the ultimate goal depopulation of the earth uh, so that only the worthy uh, survive? 500 million is the number I've heard bandied about. Is that what's in their thinking here? Get rid of the uh, useless people? I mean... You know, there's only so many lawyers they can get rid of. They got they got to keep a few of them. But if they started with lawyers and kind of worked their way up down, you know, we could have a problem here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think ultimately that is part of the long term agenda. And again, that sounds that sounds like stepping into, you know, the crazy universe of conspiracy lore or something. So uh, although we can't possibly do such a topic justice in a little conversation like this, I'll point people to at least two two things that I would really exhort them to go uh, watch or listen to or read, um, which would be my documentary on big oil. Uh, there was two parts, how big oil conquered the world and why big oil conquered the world. It's corporatereport.com slash big oil. And in that documentary, I get into that long term plan for um, if not outright depopulation, although I think that is part of it. At any rate, the idea that there is a certain class that is uh, by virtue of their very genes fit to rule over the rest of us and they should try to eliminate us from the gene pool. This is a very old idea that has been packaged in the past century under the pseudoscientific gloss of eugenics, which has gone through many iterations in that past century and is going on into a technocratic vision where there will be technocratic managers for society. Um, and we're starting to see exactly what that looks like. That looks like a Dr. Fauci telling you if you can go outside today or not, something along those lines. Um, so we're starting to see that already taking place. The other thing I would direct people to is my four part doc. Uh, it, it was a four part documentary. It was a two hour documentary altogether on Bill Gates that I put out last year called Who is Bill Gates? It's at CorbettReport.com slash Gates. And in that, I not only go into how Bill Gates monopolized the global health space over the past couple of decades and the very real problems that come from that alone, regardless of his personal agenda, but I also go into that personal agenda, not only the drive to vaccinate everyone on the planet, but also population control and population control in every sense of that word, not just the, the straightforward sense of trying to limit the number of people, but also to literally control the population through such things as um, identification schemes that will be tied into your vaccination history, which will then be used for the vaccination passports, which will quickly become your nexus into government programs like the UBI and other things, the manna from heaven that they're going to rain from all of uh, down on all of us, as long as you're cooperating and being a good citizen and all of that. So we we know where this is going and where people like Bill Gates have 
on the record been supportive of this agenda at every step of the way, the digital identity, the digital um, payment systems, and the vaccination uh, records tied all into this global public health system that's going to be stewarded over by unelected, unaccountable technocrats. It's all there. We just have to put those pieces together. So if people look at those, at least those two documentaries, I think they'll start to get a handle on what this agenda is. And yes, long term, I think it is depopulation of the human species. And we kind of see it already in the EU, where basically unelected uh, pointy headed bureaucrats are running this, running everything, not doing a very good job of it, a horrible job, arguably. And so what about cryptocurrencies? How do they fit into this plan, James? Don't just survive, thrive. The Financial Survival Network. Arcana Corporation is on the verge of bringing the world's highest grade silver mine into production. The Revenue Virginius Mine in Colorado has proven improbable silver reserves grading nearly 37 ounces per ton silver with an all-in sustaining production cost of only US $8 per ounce of silver. The mine is fully permitted with infrastructure already in place and the company has announced they plan to commence production in 2020. Achieving successful production usually results in a significant upward share price re-rating on the Lasan curve. Arcana trades under the ticker AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. To learn more, go to arcana.com. That's A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com. This is the Financial Survival Network, the information you need to thrive now more than ever. Well, yeah, this is this is where it starts to get into the, the bifurcation, um, because back a decade ago, most of the people in the crypto space, the people, the only people who really knew about cryptocurrencies were the people who were actively supporting it precisely because this is a way to transact without going through the central banks. And that sort of the liberation of the, the, the potential liberation of this technology was the main focus. But very quickly, of course, as people started to see the dollar signs, ooh, you know, there's profit to be made here. Of course, it got infested. Um, and to this, at this point, most cryptocurrencies, not all of them, but most of them are uh, explicitly hankering for regulation so that they can become a, you know, a, 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 an asset and play nicely with the treasury and the IRS and all of that so that everything can be above board and legitimate and go through essentially the exact same system that was supposedly being counteracted. And that's particularly worrying because it is not hard to see how, for example, Bitcoin can go through fork fork, 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 until it becomes Fedcoin, essentially, and becomes a completely controlled plaything of a few select agencies or or banks or what have you. And we've already seen um, block, uh, not blockchain, uh, the... Uh, the name escapes me, but um, one of the main uh, core development teams for Bitcoin is heavily funded by AXA and Bilderberg attendees literally sitting on its board and things like this. So we, we know where this is going. And the worst part of it is it's psychologically preparing the public for the literal Fed coin that is coming. Um, as we know, country after country is right now not just thinking about, but actively developing central bank digital currencies. China has already test piloted theirs and other countries are on the way um 
wherever you are, I'm in Japan, you're in the States, people may be wherever in the world. I suggest you look at what your local government is doing with regards to this, because the white papers are out there that are talking about it openly. The only question are the legal niceties of what are these central bank digital units and how are they going to be regulated? And do we have the legal authority to do this? Does it matter? We'll do it anyway. Um, at any rate, central bank digital currencies are a thing. They are coming. And that is an ex essential part, a building block of this, let's say it, new world order, this global control grid of the Great Reset Fourth Industrial Revolution. Because uh, as I pointed out last year, I did a, uh, your guide to the Great Monetary Reset, where I talked about the central bank digital currencies and a very revealing conversation that was held um, by the auspices of the IMF, but talking to uh, Federal Reserve Governor at that time, or Federal Reserve Board, uh, chair at that time, Jerome Powell um, and Augustin Karstens, the executive director of the Bank for International Settlements and some other central bankers were talking about these central bank digital currencies. And you can see in that conversation, Augustin Karstens just slavering, just absolutely can't wait for this to come about because, as he says, we will have unprecedented control and oversight over every transaction. I mean, they are they are hankering after this power because it will literally be the ability to turn or turn on or off your ability to buy and sell in the marketplace with a flip of a switch. You're being a bad boy. You didn't take our uh, mandated medical intervention today or whatever it is, and they will be able to flip off that switch. That is the power that they will have if they get through this great reset into this new economy that they're bringing about. Um, and so I think the cryptocurrencies could be psycho uh, psychologically preparing the public for this. Most people have no idea what Bitcoin is, what blockchain is, what any of these terms mean. Once they get some central bank digital currency, some Fed coin with their Federal Reserve wallet, they'll say, oh, this must be that Bitcoin I'm hearing about. And they'll start using it in that way. Hey, so do you remember a movie uh, with Sandra Bullock called The Nest? And uh, they basically deplatform her, erase her identity, and then exchange it with somebody who's a felon. And the the uh, the evildoer, the uh, trying to think what you would call that person, but the uh, basically the antagonist is a nerdy-looking guy with glasses who looks just like Bill Gates, and it's supposed to be Bill Gates. And I'm thinking, I remember seeing the similarities, but this was, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, thinking oh, the guy's just a harmless nerd who's uh, doing operating systems. You know, why would anybody think this guy is the antichrist? And here we are, I say, like, uh, we were warned, Sandra Bullock tried to warn us, but we just didn't pay any That's attention. Fair. People, people today might forget, but in the late 90s, there was a lot of uh, uh, hard feelings uh, about Bill Gates and his role, his obviously his shady business practices, his monopolistic tendencies, his uh, crappy operating system that no one, no one likes. No one has ever really liked a oh, windows. It's the greatest thing, guys. No, but he obviously cornered the market and um, became a multi-billionaire um, by doing so. Um, but that was converted over the past couple of decades in a way that really it's still 
I shouldn't be surprised, but I still am so surprised that the public sentiment can be turned so easily by simply buying as much media coverage as you need for your wonderful philanthropic projects. And people might might get bamboozled by, oh, this is a, this is the billionaire who's giving away all his fortune, the giving pledge, all of this. But I wonder if those people who really bought hook, line and sinker into that idea ever stopped for a moment to question how someone, for example, Bill Gates's net worth doubled from 2010 to 2020, his personal net worth, 50 billion to $100 billion. How did it double if he's so generously just giving money left and right and he's just bestowing it on the, it's because he is literally invested in the very things that his philanthropy is helping along. It's called philanthrocapitalism. It's been pointed out many times. The Rockefellers pioneered this back in the turn of the 20th century, and the Gates literally used the Rockefeller family and what they did as their, their template, their model for creating the Gates Foundation. They've written and talked about that openly, and they've, they, they accomplished that at least up until the past few weeks. And now, obviously, again, it's like uh, um, Al Capone being taken down for tax evasion or whatever, rather than yeah. all the other things that he was involved in. It's like Gates getting me too'd instead of talking about this incredible takeover of global health and all of the implications of that. But at any rate, it seems that Gates has finally been knocked off this pedestal that he has purchased for himself over the past couple of decades. Yeah, isn't that uh, interesting the way the way he fell? Like it makes you wonder. Like, is there a countervailing force that's out there trying to stop these people? It is a possibility. It's all speculation. But the other possibility would be that this is um, some way of taking some of the winnings off the table, dividing assets, putting them, you know, in in places that can't be reached. I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities here. So I I can only speculate. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's like watching the uh, uh, South Park and they come up with this, uh, uh, you know, predictive fiction, right? Like Harvey Weinstein and uh, and Kevin Spacey and uh, all of these characters. Right. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, family Guy and Simpsons. There's been a lot of those kind of, hey, they predicted the future kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but that's actually it, that kind of hits on the point, because things like Kevin Spacey, uh, again, that was one of those open secrets in Hollywood. Everyone knew that this guy was a creep and was definitely hitting on underage actors and things, but no one talked about it until it came out and there was uh, the legal things. And so then people could come out and say it. Harvey Weinstein got away with it for however long, decades. Everyone knew about it and very, very, very few bothered to open their mouth to say anything about it. And hey, guess what? Bill Gates, apparently also a creep and doing all this stuff. But again, no one wanted to say it. And I even saw I can't remember. I don't think it was New York Times, but I think it was the Daily Beast or someone had an article about this and the, the floodgates opening and all these accusations coming out. And they they outright said it's because journalists didn't want to lose access to the Gates yeah. Foundation and Microsoft. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's just it's so openly admitted. And yet the public. And that's that's where the onus of this really is. Of course, the media are going to play their games because that's what they're there to do. That's they're bought and paid for this. But the public, maybe we can learn from this, that when someone is being put on this pedestal and all of this, maybe we should be able to think, you know, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing, given that it's happened time and time and time and time again. Yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> you just see this stuff happen. 
and 99% of the population is completely oblivious yeah. and, and doesn't want to know. Right. Uh, if there's anything that's coming out about Gates now that's, I think, actually relevant, like really relevant to what's happening in the world, it is the fact that it is now being acknowledged that he had a much a stronger relationship with Jeffrey Epstein than had been previously admitted. At first, any relationship whatsoever was denied. And then the pictures of the two together came out and it had to be admitted, oh, they'd met a couple of times to talk about philanthropy, but it was nothing. Now it's okay, he he went to Jeffrey Epstein's place dozens and dozens of times. Apparently it was his refuge. He got marriage advice from Jeffrey Epstein. All this craziness is finally coming out. And I think the important part of this isn't necessarily the implication of whatever Gates was doing sexually. But I think the underlying point of this is the connection that Epstein had to all of these scientists working specifically on eugenics related projects about literally there was a scheme that he was working on to um, to uh, essentially impregnate dozens of women with his seed so that he would be able to form this sort of Epstein super army kind of thing. I mean, there there is crazy stuff that was openly uh, admitted last year when some of the Epstein coverage started coming out in the mainstream world um, that was kind of quickly brushed aside. But I went through a bit of that in my Gates documentary talking about some of the scientists who received direct funding from Epstein or funding from Bill Gates via uh, from Epstein via Bill Gates. Uh, there was a bizarre um, donation that went through the MIT, I believe the MIT Media Lab, um, uh, which caused problems for the, the Media Lab and everything with it. When it came out, uh, they had received a donation from from Bill Gates, but it was being directed by Jeffrey Epstein. And that's what it said in the email. This is from Jeffrey Epstein, but it's coming via Bill Gates. So let's not talk about the Epstein connection to this money. Um, all this kind of crazy stuff is coming out a little bit. And unfortunately, again, the people will have to connect the dots because the media isn't going to spell out what this, what all of this means. No, no, they're definitely not going to do that. There's no question. So question, I guess, really is where do we go? Is there going to be a mass awakening to this scheme? Or are they just going to go uh, quietly into the night? Uh, well, if they go quietly into the night, then I guess it's goodbye to the human species, because that really I mean, they're literally talking about that as as part of the long term game plan here. Um, so uh, I think this is what we are living through is a precedent setting event in so many different ways. And they are erecting what I've identified as the biosecurity state. Um, I've talked about the Italian philosopher Giorgio Agamben, who has been on this since the beginning and writing about it um, succinct, succinctly. And I think in um, just perfect detail, talking about the, er the erection of this biosecurity state, which is going to be the new paradigm taking over from the war of terror paradigm from the past couple of decades. And it's going to direct all aspects of our lives. Um, but really, it's a it's a biofascist state where essentially the of course, we know the crony corporations are involved in this for their for their own profit motive, if nothing else. But then you also have the larger question of depopulation and eugenics and all of this swirling around. And you have all of these things coming into place now and being normalized. And they're broaching the conversation about vaccine passports and other such things, which, of course, at the moment, it's just a conversation. Oh, we're, you know, we shouldn't do this because it might infringe on your rights. But, you know, it might be a good idea. We might we might need it. And it does not take a great deal of imagination to see that from now on for the rest of your life, every single year, whether it's this current round of of covid uh, hysteria or or, oh, some new strain of some new virus is developing in 
Hong Kong. So we're going to have to lock the world down again. We're going to have to inject you all again. It's all going to happen again. This is going to go on year after year, presumably for the rest of your life, or at least until until the uh, Great Reset and the singularity and all of this starts to happen. Um, and as I have pointed out, and as I have been explicitly censored for, um, the the types of technologies that are going to be sold to the public as vaccines are not going to in any way relate to the vaccine technology that we have all grown up with and understood for our whole lives. No, they're I mean, they are working on the the nanobots, the thera grippers, um, the injectable by uh, hydrogels that will be able to bios uh, biosensors that will be able to detect if you're if you have this or that virus and and broadcast it to uh, to an RFID reader and things like this. I mean, this isn't sci fi. They are they're literally working on this right now. There are companies that are already starting to to um, to trial these types of technologies, and it's only going to get more intense from here. So, yeah, either we stop it or it's the end of the human species. And I don't I don't want to ring that alarm falsely. I don't want to uh, cry wolf about this because this is the most important thing that could possibly be happening in the world right now in in perhaps in all of human history. So I ring that bell very advisedly. And as someone who has been thinking and talking about this for over a decade now, I back you can go back to 2008, I was talking about medical martial law and all the steps that were being put in place legislatively to set the framework for exactly what we've seen over the past year. And I've seen this coming for a long time. I didn't imagine it was going to play out in this exact way. But at any rate, here we are. So yes, we better start thinking about how to divest ourselves from this system and this economy and everything that goes along with it, um, because you cannot rely on the teat of government anymore, because we know that will come with all sorts of strings attached. Oh, we know that. There's not even a question. It always has and it always will, which is why you really got to be your own person, independent and be yourself. Well, James, really appreciate you coming on. Just tell us your website, where we find you these days, uh, where we find your videos, your podcasts, et cetera. I am on a number of uh, alternative platforms, uh, BitChute, Minds, uh, Odyssey, Archive.org. I even still have a backup YouTube channel that for the moment is still up and I'm still posting there, but please don't follow me on YouTube because I absolutely will be censored at some point. Um, but the place to go is CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com. And there you'll be able to access all of my archives, MP3, MP4, uh, text, all of it completely for free, uh, freely available. I have a subscriber newsletter, but even the editorial from the newsletter is, is there is a link to the free version. So there's nothing secret behind the paywall. Um, I don't do that. I don't operate like that. It is a resource. I hope people will use it. Go and read, listen to, or watch my big oil documentary, my Bill Gates documentary, or anything else. And hopefully, hopefully, you can help spread this information to others because I have a sense that if people are already listening to, to yourself, they probably already know something about this agenda and where things are heading. But chances are your neighbor, your friend, your relative, maybe doesn't, maybe doesn't understand the, uh, the immense gravity of what we're facing. So I hope, I hope this will be a resource to help spread this information to others. All right. I hope so too. And any questions for James, just send me an email, kl at terrylutz.com. James, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Let's not leave it for five years next time. Definitely not. All right. Thanks for listening to Carrie Lutz's Financial Survival Network, your solution to today's trying times. 
For the latest, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Financial Survival Network, now more than ever. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.